Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and today is our 101st episode of the Cup for Woo! Time podcast. We made it, team. We made it to triple mm-hmm. digits. So I uh, just want to say thank you to Eric for being a part of this journey with me, um, for uh, kind of coming up with this wild idea to do a podcast a while back, and I think it's been a really good good choice for us. And so um, cool. thanks for being a part of this as well, listeners, where you could not do this without you. And so uh, thanks for being a part of this. Uh, today, we're digging into my message from Sunday. Uh, we're looking at Judas from a different angle. We're looking at Mary from a different angle and the story of Mary anointing Jesus' feet um, and trying to find the message for us um, in, in that story. And so let's go ahead and get into it. Sounds great. So I know this week is stressful for you, but I really, really enjoy this week. Mm-hmm. This week is always pretty special. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are, but yeah, no, I love this week. I mean, this is the week for us. Like as Christians, yes, incarnation is important. The birth of Jesus is important. But like what really matters for us for salvation is the fact that Jesus took our sin upon himself and died on the cross and then defeated death. Like Jesus won, death lost. You know, it is, as Paul says to the church in Corinth, death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? But thanks be to God, because through Jesus Christ, we have victory. And that Mm -hmm. victory is what we celebrate on Easter. And so, yeah, this is, I mean, it is stressful. It's crazy busy, and I I love every minute of it. it. But because it is such a big part of our Christian story, like the resurrection Mm -hmm. is just, it's, it's the biggest thing to me. Yeah. What is it that makes it so special for you, Eric? You know, a lot of the week is heavy. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, you know, for the most part, it's not happy until Sunday. Um, right. So it shouldn't be that enjoyable. But I really enjoy Thursday and Friday services. Mm-hmm. Um, because of what Jesus did for us on those two days. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, he did things that he never had to do. I mean, mm-hmm. or that, that he could have stopped. Yeah. But he had to do them for us. Um, and that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. And then Sunday is just a big party and it's a lot of fun. Yep. You know, and it, yeah, this week is yeah. just like you said, none of the rest of it matters if it wasn't for this week. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yeah. Speaking of it being one big party, it reminds me there was a podcast I listened to. It's a bunch of United Methodist pastors from the Virginia Annual Conference. And they talked about one of them talked about doing their sunrise service in a cemetery and like literally getting sparkling cider and champagne flutes and saying, you know, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we should be celebrating. We should be, you know, cheersing. And he had champagne champagne glasses for everybody except for himself. So he pours all this sham, all this, you know, champagne. Um, it's sparkling cider. And he, mm-hmm. he, he poured all that sparkling cider for all the other people, but didn't have a glass for himself. And so he gave the toast and then tipped back the bottle of sparkling cider. And that's the picture that made the newspaper. Oh, funny. So That's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> so I definitely have, like, I know that we do a youth sun, Easter sunrise service, but I definitely have those visions of going out to Forest Hill with, you know, just mm-hmm. a bunch of champagne flutes and sparkling cider and, you know, seeing or like, actual champagne. I mean, I didn't say it out loud. I mean, <laughs> we could make it grape juice ish. Yeah, anyway. totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, 
but no, just, I mean, I, it, it is, it is a huge party. I love that. I love that you said it that way because it absolutely is. I mean, the songs that Laurel has picked for the praise band for Sunday are all just such, I mean, to quote the youths, they're bangers. Like we just have, <laughs> they're, they're just bangers. Just wall the wall. Youths. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. I'm they're bangers. Fine. Look at you. Look at you. Yep. And it, it's a oh, happy day and it's, um on use day king of kings and and it's just it's just wall to wall gonna be a great service so mm -hmm. really looking forward to that it's such a fun service i yep really looking forward to it absolutely me too can we talk about how terrible palm sunday is <laughs> sure <laughs> okay no no i shouldn't say it that way but as a parent i hate palm sunday <laughs> Oh my gosh, if yeah. I have one more stupid palm branch in my face, I'm going to lose it. Yep. Yeah. Um, can you tell, uh, what what did you text me during church, Eric? What did I text? Let me just look here. We don't text during church, I promise. Yeah, definitely. Never. This I is never, definitely I, after church. I definitely church. didn't check my phone during church. Mm -hmm. I see that it was a text from the back of the church. I said we need a palm-free Palm Sunday. <laughs> Because I hate those things. Yep. Because it is constant when you have multiple little boys in your pew. It is constant in your face. So anyway, that's a little yep. anecdote. We can move on to yep. the important stuff now. No, it's all good. Um, I definitely was thinking of that during the children's sermon. I asked if they should, have, if we should have palm branches every Sunday. Um, and it was like, I told the parents to just hush for a second. And then all mm -hmm. the kids were, they were not on board with that either. Like none of the I kids couldn't believe that was it. a good idea. So. Anyone with the last name Stearns, I was shocked that they didn't say <laughs> yes, because they sure loved them. Right. Yep. I mean, the biggest the biggest opponent was JJ because it was just so wasteful, which like played perfectly <laughs> into the sermon on Sunday because mm -hmm. like I'm not I'm not trying to compare JJ to Judas, but like mm -hmm. that's the critique that Judas gave of Mary doing this thing with the perfume is that she was being wasteful. And why shouldn't we have palms in, in sun, palm, palm branches in church every Sunday? Because that's a wasteful use of God's creation. Right. Is what I learned during the children's sermon. So, mm -hmm. yeah. That was so, so on to Judas. Yeah. Great segue. One thing I was thinking about is uh, Judas is a real, uh, real treat in this week's, um, in this week's message. Has he always been that uh that much of a fun hater i guess <laughs> kind of yeah i mean we do not know a whole lot about judas um there is very little um in fact that we know about him because he is one that did not survive the story of the gospel um mm. like you know he he dies before jesus does i mean he is so overcome with the guilt of what he did and like d d understands the full scope and size of it um, and tries to bring the, he tries to unring the bell. He tries to give the money back. He tries to, you know, he tries to wave it off after it's too late and he can't live with what he's done. And so he does choose to end his life, which is tragic and just such a, I mean, it's, it goes beyond like a warning to us. Like it is just, it's so far beyond the pale of, I mean, uh, speaking of how wasteful the, the perfume was, wait, what the, what a waste of a life. Mm -hmm. you know, because God's grace is big enough for that. Like God's, oh, sorry, I have definitive feelings about Judas. Um, but I think you should share them. This is a perfect opportunity. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I just, <clears throat> God's grace is so much bigger and like there that it didn't have to end this way, you know, mm-hmm. like no one is beyond God's redemption. Even the person that betrayed Jesus is not beyond God's redemption. That's what grace is about. That's what Jesus was about. And if Judas had been really listening all those times when he heard Jesus talk, or if Judas had been really paying attention all those times that he saw Jesus heal somebody, he would have known that. It did Mm -hmm. not have to end this way. It didn't have to go that way. But because Judas, I mean, it's it's the human reaction that we some that we all have at certain points. Obviously, not to that extent, but it was just that feeling of being too far beyond the redemption of God that led to Judas taking his own life. Hmm. You know, and just as to whether or not he was always a fun hater, it he does get painted in the Gospels as being more stern. Um, more strict, more, I mean, he was not a zealot looking for the violent overthrow of the Roman government in the same way that like Simon the Zealot would have been. But, mm-hmm. you know, as always, Judas is always an outsider among the insiders, if that makes sense. Like he is a part sure. of the 12 and that's a really big deal because Jesus had such a larger network of people that he traveled with. So Judas ranked among the 12. Judas was in charge of the finances that we go on to learn in our scripture for, from Sunday, but there's just so little that we really truly know about him mm-hmm. other than what the scripture tells us. And the scripture does not paint him in a very favorable light more often than not. Do you think because they were written essentially after Jesus's death, after Judas had done what he had done, that's why he's not painted in a favorable light? Yeah, I think that would make, I think that would make perfect sense. I mean, and also Mm -hmm. the gospels are written from the eyewitness accounts of the disciples. The gospels are written, you know, maybe by the disciples, at least Matthew and John are. Um, And then Luke was, not a disciple initially, but but obviously, you know, travel with the apostle Paul. We go on to learn in the book of Acts, like a very central person to to the early Christian church, you know. And so I think that's that that's absolutely part of this, uh, part of the reason why Judas is not painted in a favorable light. Like Judas makes bad choices, um, but also so does Peter. And you know, mm-hmm. Peter's the rock upon whom the church is built, and Judas is the guy that betrayed Jesus. And like those broad strokes are all, I mean, that's, that's what we learn. That's part of how the story went, but also I do think that it comes from an interpretive frame of who's telling the story. Yeah. Well, and I, that's a good point too. I mean, Peter betrays Jesus three times. <clears throat> Judas did it once. You, you know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. And making and Jesus knew about both of those. Like, mm-hmm. You know, Jesus knew that both of those things was going to happen. If two, those two guys make different decisions, or you know, if Judas made a, made the decision like Peter did, right, to you know, continue to follow Jesus after Jesus is gone, maybe we look at Judas in a different way. Absolutely. Very interesting. I've never thought of Judas this way. Mm-hmm. But like, even mean like we were doing the Living Last Supper on Thursday, and even the script for the Living Last Supper basically just says. Yep, I'm Judas. I'm not very popular. People think I'm strict, and I was in charge of the money. Mm-hmm. End of Judas's line. Like, yeah, that's it. Uh, what did you cut from this week's 
circle. Yeah. We should probably so, circle back to that one, huh? Just because of time and just how much there was to this text, um, I did have some more stuff around some possible reasons why Mary did what she did. Um, you know, this was such a pivotal moment mm, in the gospel okay. um, and just a pivotal moment in uh, in, prepar- in preparing Jesus for this kind of the transition in, in, in fancy theological words. John's gospel is partially known as the book of signs. Like Jesus performs specific signs that point to the reign of God. Um, and that ends at 11. That ends in John chapter 11 with the raising of Lazarus being the final sign. And then this is a, bit, a major transition in the gospel of John, and it's transitioning towards the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the fulcrum that makes it makes it switch. Um, and this is the reason why things switch. Mary prepares Jesus for burial. And then Jesus makes a triumphant entry. And then the betray, you know, then everything unfolds the way that it unfolds during Holy Week. But we have this weird, almost like an intermission, like an inter, an intermezzo, where Jesus and the disciples and Mary and Lazarus and Martha and you know Simon the leper and just other people are in the mix with him, and it's just this chill, laid back gathering until it's not. Because Mary takes this nard, this expensive perfume, anoints Jesus' feet. Judas does Judas things. And then, you know, everyone's asking the question, why did Mary do this? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, you know, stop bothering her. She's preparing me for my burial. And like, that's Jesus' interpretation. And I think that it absolutely was that because Jesus is Jesus. And, you know, the word, the word would not tell us that if it wasn't partially true. But I think that there's more to it for Mary. It's like one of the things I talked about on Sunday was the fact that it was an extravagant act of worship where Mary wants to thank Jesus for all that he has done for her and people like her. Um, because, you know, she is the, because Jesus is the one that raised Lazarus from the dead. But it's also this is the one that I cut. It's also just a reflection of the generosity of God. Like it's a parable. I mean, it, it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a literal thing that happened. But yet it has this parabolic nature to it because in this extravagant act of worship it really does reflect the extravagance of god's love for us the generosity of god's love for us this gift of nard was expensive and her actions were over the top like you do not need an entire pint or an entire pound of perfume to anoint a person's feet like she uses so much that the entire house smells like it I, that takes some doing. Like, you know, we think of perfume or if you, if you wear cologne, like it's a splash on your neck and a splash on your wrists and you rub it together and there's very little to it. Mary goes all in. Like Mary goes over the top. And what is the love of God if not excessive? And what is the love hmm. of God if not over the top? And so this is a reflection of of God's love made known in Jesus Christ. It's a reflection of the generosity of God that Jesus is going to go on to show because Jesus goes all the way over the top and gives his life so that we can experience life and life abundant. Interesting. I've never heard that story interpreted that way. Yeah. So just kind of as a part of the partial reasons. And I think that, I mean, um, and the the other thing that I did cut is just some more stuff around Judas. Cause like, the everyone's trying to make sense of what's happening around them. And Judas just sees waste. And like everyone wants to bag on Judas for being Judas and for doing Judas stuff. 
but he's not wrong. Like mm-hmm. he, he is not wrong. Like that mon- that that perfume was worth a lot of money. Like mm-hmm. it was worth a year's wages for 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 a normal day laborer. Like it was it was expensive stuff. And it's just, I mean, you don't need that much to anoint feet. And so a lot of it would have just fallen on the ground. And what's the point in that? You know, and mm-hmm. Jesus tells us the point in that. And Jesus tells us that, you know, the poor will always be among them. And the, but, the, but Jesus won't for forever, um, you know. But, yeah, it's just interesting that that even Judas has, has a point here. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with that? And Judas is, is right that it is wasteful. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a lesson in that too? Yeah, I think so. I think that part of the lesson is like, as we think about how we live our lives of faith, um, you know, uh, how we express ourselves to God, like there are times (coughs) when we feel like we're reserved, like we feel like we have to be reserved, um, mm-hmm. and, and not as maybe expressive as we want to be or could be, or not as, you know, over the top as we think we could be. But Mary poured out the entire pint. Like Mary did not hold anything back. Mm-hmm. And yet there are times when we are tempted to do exactly that. We're, we're tempted to hold everything, but to hold stuff back. Not just like, not just in terms of like our financial giving, but like in terms of just how we express ourselves before God and how we express ourselves in worship. Like we are upper Midwesterners. And so like raising our hands is not going to be something that's super common or comfortable for us. Heck no. (laughs) If we feel led to do that, I mean, I don't think that we just do it willy nilly, but if we feel truly led in that, in a more charismatic expression of worship, I think that we, you know, the lesson for us is to be over the top, to be excessive right. and to, you know, to not, not waste our energy, but, you know, to be a little bit more emotive than we, mm-hmm. or than we naturally would be if we're feeling that in the spirit, if we're, if not just not trying to make a show out of it, not trying right. to, you know, and that's my caution all the time with charismatic worship um, is I don't want it to be a show. Like it has to be about the right thing for it to be the right mm-hmm. thing. There has to be, but sometimes it's the right thing. I mean, sometimes Mm -hmm. that is an appropriate response to the way that God is working in our lives. I mean, like I, I have cried in the pulpit preaching my two farewell sermons when I left Brookings, when I left Brook Herrick. And like, it's not because my words were so great, but it was because it was the spirit. It was the spirit moving and working in the midst of that gathering. August of 2019, Burke gets hit with this tornado. And that was on like a Friday or a Saturday, a Thursday or a Friday. It was later in the week that it happened. And so like I had masterfully crafted his worship service. And, you know, I had a, I had an idea in my head for the sermon and it all had to go out the window. I completely rewrote and wrote it based on Psalm 107, which is just a long story or a series of stories of people responding to the way that God has moved and worked in their lives. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good as steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Some were sailors and they found themselves in the midst of a big storm and they were on the verge of death. But God heard them and heard their cries and they were they returned their thanks and praise. And so like in the context of the tornado, I just I wrote about, 
you know, how we all responded to the storm. Some people lost everything, you know, and, you know, some of them were on the school board that met on a lawn table in the middle of the street, you know, and so I walked through some of those emotional things. And the one that got me, the one that made me weep was where I found myself is because it was give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord stay so. Some people lost nothing and didn't know how to feel. You know, because I was a half a block from the worst of the damage. And the worst thing that happened to us was we lost maybe six shingles and eight trees on our lot. Everything else was fine. The church lost a door and some soffit. I mean, it was it was nothing to get repaired and replaced. And we're looking at built at people that lost their entire building. Like we lost the oldest home in Burke, South Dakota in the mm-hmm. tornado. Like, and after church, so I that 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 hit me and that hit me in the moment and just it moved me to tears. And afterwards, I had a parishioner who was in the very same spot as, as I was. Like he has a he had a house. He was in the process of building a different house. He had vehicles out on the street and nothing happened. Mm. And he just said, he just came up to me and he said, thank you so much for saying that because that's exactly what I needed to hear because that's exactly how I feel. You know, you feel thankful and guilty all at the same time. And it just felt so good to be able to express that, you know, mm. and like it could have been a schmulty sermon where I cried the entire time and where we all cried the entire time but it wasn't, it was, it was so much more than that. And it was, it was over the top and it was excessive, but it was right. I think that's the lesson for us. So this week, very busy. Um, Yes. Thursday, we have our living last supper. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Go Jesus. Go Jesus. Yep. Yep. I get to be Jesus again for the, oh boy, it's been a long time. Yeah. It's been quite a few years. So that's always fun. Is that seven? Seven. Yep. Seven yep, on Thursday at the Wesley church. Hall. Yep. People get there. Glad to have you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Friday, what's Friday's service? Yes. So Friday is going to be a literal funeral. Um, we are going to have a literal funeral for Jesus where we are, I'm actually just straight up. I went to my funeral liturgy and hit copy and paste and we are hmm. doing a funeral for Jesus. Um, kind of a way to express our, our need to mourn um, as human people. I mean, we're going through, uh, yes, we're, and I mean, we, we know how the story ends. We know that the, the, the death of Jesus is not the end of the story, but I think it's important for us to acknowledge and provide space for the true mourning that needs to happen. M-O-U-R-N, I mourning that needs to happen um, as we think about what Jesus' death means to us. Um, so often we can feel like we gloss right over it um, and, and move right to the resurrection. Like even walking through the Holy Week story, like, yeah, Monday is this and Tuesday is this and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday is the death, but like Sunday's coming, you know? But mm-hmm. I think that we need to respect and acknowledge that Friday is here um, and that, mm-hmm. that there is a, that there's a larger hope that we're still waiting for um, in the return of Christ. Like we are, we are still waiting for the full expression of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Like we're still waiting. And so sure. we still have that, that, that feeling of 
of of nothingness and that feeling of 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 every of the pain. And so uh, we're going to be hearing from uh, Nicodemus. We're going to be hearing from. Uh, Mary Magdalene. We're going to be hearing a letter from Judas. Um, and then also I'm going to be preaching just a really brief sermon um, just about, you know, why we're opening this space up and why we need this space and and what we do with the, with the reality of Jesus' death. Um, so mm-hmm. then just couching that and framing that in the narrative of, of a funeral. So going to hear from our choir, which is going to be great. Um, and then just uh, have some songs from Laurel and also in experience communion with one another as well. So That'll be Friday at seven o'clock in the sanctuary. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And then we have Sunday. Uh, we have 730. 730 right. Easter sunrise service with our middle schoolers and high schoolers in charge of the service. Um, so last year I kind of like put the service together and then the middle schoolers and high schoolers were in charge of it. Uh, this year, a couple weeks ago, I just gave them all my resources and said, okay, we, what do we need for worship? Um, you know, we need these things. And so here are some resources. You have free reign over my resources. You have free reign over the internet. Like let's, let's plan this service. And so this is a service that they have completely put together. Um, and then they just told me what they were willing to do and be a part of. And so I tasked it out and we have four or five singing. We have two, um, two stepping up to preach, uh, mini sermons, um, uh, Grayson, uh, Veldkamp and Carly Lawback will be preaching, um, that service on Easter Sunday morning. So it's going to be very, very exciting. And then we have a church breakfast, um, after that between services and then our 10 AM service, um, is our normal, normal worship time, but it's the celebration of the resurrection. And so we'll have, uh, songs that again, like I called them earlier are just bangers. Um, and then, um, here again from our choir, um, the choir is going to join the praise band a couple on a couple of different uh, places, which is going to be fun. Um, and just, yeah, it's going to be a great day. Fantastic. Yeah. Like we talked about, it's the best week of the year. It is. 100%. Yep. 100%. Cool. Yep. Well, thanks for joining us in this week's Cup for Time podcast. Join us for all the fun events here at our church uh, over the next week. And then join us back here for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.